everyone, and welcome to Where Faith Grows. I'm your host, Laura Lambert. Each week on the show, I sit down with a girlfriend and we explore new areas of our lives where we can let faith thrive and flourish. I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Let's find out together where faith can grow. Welcome, welcome, everyone. It's the second episode. Thank you so much for joining me back here today. I can't say it enough. I'm so honored that you would join me here as we discover all the places where faith can grow. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And just thanks for being a part of this amazing community we are already building together. This week on the show is someone very near and dear to me because it's my very own mom, Jennifer Walden. I will do my best to refer to her by her first name here today. (laughs) Jen is a blogger and speaker who can be found at Jen's Closet, her online home where she is passionate about building a sisterhood of fashionable faith. She was a high school teacher for 15 years and is now a homeschool mom actively involved in local homeschool co-ops and tutorials with her two youngest boys. We'll be talking today about one of Jen's greatest passions, bringing hope to women who suffer from shame from episodes and experiences over which they had no control. Jen has some powerful insights into why and how shame engulfs us, and she brings us to a faith-driven path to victory over these feelings. Jen and her husband, Kirk, live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. They have five children, one grandchild, and a faithful dachshund named Abby. I hope you brought some Kleenex with you today, whether you're listening on the road or at home. This one is a real one. (laughs) We're gonna dive straight in and explore the concept of shame from where it comes from to how we can tackle it in our daily lives. So without further ado, here's my chat with the wonderful Jen. Okay. So we're talking about shame today. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) What a happy topic. We'll get excited about it. Um, So let's start off by defining it because I looked up some definitions of shame. The best one I found said, it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. It's kind of a lot, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that definition? Um, It's kind of heavy because I think we we all know what shame feels like, but I don't know that we all know what it is. You know, if we have to create a concrete definition, it's easier for us to almost tell examples of what makes us feel ashamed than to actually define it. Right, because I think everybody has felt shame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially Christians. <laughs> We're really good at shame. <laughs> Amen, sister. (laughs) We we, we feel shame heavily. Um, But when I was reading that definition, what stuck out to me was that it says it's a painful feeling. Mm. Because, like, you think of shame as being horrible, but you don't think of it as being painful. I mean, it is painful, though, but it's just interesting that that's in the definition. To me, that was interesting. Yeah. I I do think that— that the concept of pain is really good because really it's a heart issue. It is it is a 
injury to our heart, really shame is most often. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a, a definite attack on our heart. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that. When I was doing some research on shame, I actually found a quote that said, um, shame is relational, but guilt is judicial in character. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying ha- has a lot to do with that relational thing. Yeah, because I think that guilt is important. You know, it's important that we feel some sense of, you know, shame, I suppose, when we do things that are hurtful. We should feel guilty when we injure another person or when we're not walking in love. That's kind of, I think, the way God designed us. And that's important. That's that's super interesting because it's like, so that we're describing shame as a painful feeling. Well, pain is just a receptor that tells us when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. Mm. Like when we feel pain because we touch something that's burning, it's just teaching our, like it teaches our Mm. body not to do that again. Oh, I love that. So I guess it's funny that we're categorizing shame as a pain because— Mm. What you're saying is so true. It's an indicator that maybe we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. Or, may, or you know, maybe somebody did something to us Yeah, that they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Yeah, because shame isn't always our fault at all. We feel shame because of things other people have done to us. But also, I think sometimes we, we misplace shame. Like, we feel shame for something that we— think we should mm-hmm. feel bad about or we think we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just kind of a shackle we're placing on ourselves. Oh, yeah. So it's almost like phantom pains. <laughs> it's like we, we feel shame pains. Well, it's like the monks back in, you know, the 1500s, you know, beating themselves, you know, with books or something when yes. it's like you really didn't have to do that, you know? All over the top. <laughs> but so. we do that to ourselves in our modern walk of faith just in other ways. Yeah, we we do that to ourselves all the time, I think. Um, That kind of like makes me want to talk about guilt versus shame because we kind of brought it up already. Mm -hmm. But when I was, I'm bringing this up because when I was doing research on shame, I was seeing a lot about um, people kind of using them interchangeably. And I think we use them interchangeably just in normal everyday conversation, guilt and shame. But it's like that quote that I was telling you about earlier where it says, guilt is judicial in character and shame is relational. But when I thought about Mm -hmm. it from my own personal experience and my own thinking, I think that guilt, you can live with guilt. People live with guilt all the time. You know, we do things that we feel bad about, but, you know, you hear it in movies and in books. It's like, well, what what amount of guilt can you live with? Mm -hmm. Because people live under guilt all the time. But I really don't think you can actually live your life with shame. Mm-hmm. Like you have to let go of it at some point because if you have shame, it's just like because of those painful feelings of humiliation and distress, it's like it's just grinding us to a halt. Like how can you really have a true spiritual pursuit if you're just shackled by shame? And how can you really love other people if you're just imprisoned by shame? Yeah, and I think that's part of what has made me feel so passionate about this topic is because that's ultimately what I began realizing is we think we're supposed to carry shame, but the truth is it's disabling. It's disabling for um, our ability to love others, our ability to accept love by others. It disables the way we view God. Um, 
So yeah, carrying shame is such a heavy load and it covers us in a way that it's just um, hurtful to us. It's hurtful to our relationships. And that's just been such an eye-opener to me. Yeah, it's like we we almost think we should live under shame mm-hmm. because we say things to ourselves and we hear it in our churches all the time. We say, oh, well, we're just sinners. We have to remind ourselves that we're just sinners. It's like, well, why? Why are we placing all that shame on ourselves? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like we've gotten into this idea that we're not doing it right unless we feel some amount of shame or guilt on a regular basis for just who we are and who we're made mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, I hate it, but that's such an indictment of what I think is going on in our faith communities right now. And I think we um, we think that godliness means feeling ashamed a lot. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just beginning to, to see that I don't think God, it does God, God's agenda any good. Yeah, it doesn't. It's like, and this might be going off the rails just a little bit, (laughs) but why not? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Um, But it's like, and it gets so extreme that we almost get to a point where it's like, if we're having too much fun following God, we have to just like heap on some guilt and shame because we're Mm -hmm. like, okay, wait, wait, wait. We're not allowed to, this (laughs) this isn't allowed to be this good. And I just think that's interesting that Mm -hmm. we we do that to ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've kind of already started on this a lot, but you have been writing about shame a lot, talking about it a lot in Mm -hmm. your blog, which your blog is called Jen's Closet, and everyone should check it out if they haven't already. But um, so why do you think shame is so important? You've kind of already said it a little bit, but why do you think the concept of shame is so important? Well, and I I do think, I I went for years and I... um, it's hard to talk about in ways, but I think I went for years and carried this. I, I carried it kind of underneath. Um, I would try to kind of lift the shame off of my, you know, identity or, you know, I you, you try different things, talk to people, you know, all these different things. But ultimately, I found that I was still carrying it. And and then in talking to so many other women, I realized I was not alone. Um, lots of, of women, lots of Christians carry shame. And so it has become a very passionate topic to me because I'm tired of it disabling people. I'm tired of it disabling the body of Christ. And it's only in for my, my own self realizing that God needed me. He needed me to release that shame. It wasn't helping him. It wasn't helping me love his people. Right. Yeah, like what good do we think it does his agenda for us to sit under shame all the time? Yeah, none. And the things we feel ashamed about, you know, it's almost like God's just sitting up there like, okay, tell me something I don't know. Like, yeah. I already know this about you. I already, I yeah. love you regardless. Like, but we sit here under all this shame because of who we are and what we've done or what people have done to us. Mm-hmm. And it's like we think God is surprised by it. Yeah. Or or he needs to be reminded that, you know, don't use me because right. that's who I am. Today's show is brought to you by Celebrate Life Market. I'm always looking for shirts and other clothing items that share positive messages and inspire people. I love using what I wear to strike up conversations about faith and joy and positivity. 
Celebrate Life Market on Etsy is my new go-to place to find all kinds of positive and uplifting shirts, sweatshirts, and tote bags. I just bought the shirt I'm actually wearing right now from them. It says, make everybody feel like a somebody. I love it so much. It's cute, colorful, and so soft. And I just love the thought that I'm using what I wear to spread a message of hope and positivity. If you spend $35 with them on Etsy, you can get free shipping for your order. And if you use code WHEREFAITHGROWS, you can get 10% off today just for being a listener of the podcast. So head over to Etsy.com today and search Celebrate Life Market to find them. So where do you think that shame comes from for you? What's like a specific example you can think of? Well, you know, it's it really, for me, the journey is really it dates back to my earliest memories, honestly. And it was funny because I don't know why I remember this, but I remember as being just this little girl and I wanted good. I had amazing parents. We were in the church and that I saw goodness all around me and I wanted to be good. But very quickly in my life, it's like Satan was like, oh, no, you don't, girl. And, and he, it's like he put events in my life that rocked all of that thinking for me. And because I was little and I didn't have an opportunity, or well, I, I could have had an opportunity, but I just, I, I didn't articulate it to anyone. I hid it all. I hid these things that were not good that happened in my life. I hid them and carried them. And, and because of that, these just these lies of shame started covering my life and affecting me. Um, so, so really for me, that was a, that was a big source of shame, Mm. but shame created more shame. Mm. And that's, that's such a good point. (laughs) You know, carrying that shame led me to believe lies about myself. It led me to, to think, what's the use? I'm already, I'm already messed up anyways. You know, why, why Why bother? bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why bother trying to fix it now kind of thing? Yeah, just it's complicated, you know. It's it's very complicated. And, and what can start out as something you did not cause, create, not your fault, can snowball into just kind of this. Like you know, a web almost. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think when it gets, when it, we when we let shame go on that long, which I think everybody is guilty of, it's like, it's almost hard to even tease back to where it all started. Yeah. It's just this huge mess of shame that you've let yourself become. And it's like, you don't even know where you start and the shame begins oh, that's, anymore. That's so well said. Yeah. It's, it's like, who who are you without it? It becomes your identity. Yeah. And I want to cry thinking about it, but it does. It becomes your identity. <laughs> Yeah, and it and then I think that for a lot of people and me included with my own experience with shame, you want to let go of shame, but there's almost like this fear of who you're going to be without it. Mm. It's like, well, what's going to be next? Yeah. So it's like letting it all out into the open is kind of a scary feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, where do I go from here? It's like I I think for me, one of my many sources of shame was uh, I was never, I mean, I grew up in church and did the whole thing, but 
I never felt like I was doing enough. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a just little narrative of shame that I made up for myself. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where, nobody told me I wasn't doing enough. I mean, I went to church and I went to Wednesday night service and I went to youth group and I did the whole thing, but I still let myself feel shame over, well, I didn't go to this youth retreat and I didn't agree to help lead this Bible study and I didn't go on this mission trip. I didn't raise money to go to Mexico. So, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. The lie just goes on and on and on. But it's like, I felt shame over that and then I internalized it. And you know what that led me to do? It led me to to really, I kind of distanced myself a little bit. I, I stopped mm-hmm. going on Wednesday nights to hang out with other youth group kids. And, or, and sometimes I would make excuses to not go on Sunday morning. And not that it's about going to church or not going to church, but it's about that lie of shame that I wasn't doing enough led me to do even less. Yeah, because uh, we, this is a problem throughout Christianity. It's like, oh, I want to be perfect. So shame says, oh, but you're not. Right. You're not. Look what you didn't do. You know, so... um this it's it's shame a lot of times coupled with our need for perfection and to be great at something. I want to be a great Christian, you know? I want to yes. be good at it, the best at it. And like, and I don't mean to call out the guys on this one, but I think this is a particularly a particular disease of women Christians mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we have our little lists of everything we think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And when we don't live up to the whole list, it's almost like, well, I have the list at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we shouldn't have the list at all. But there, there's good that comes out of the things that we do for our faith communities. And sometimes if we can't do it all and we can't do it all perfectly, we feel so much shame and guilt over that that we just Give up. rip it all up. Yep. Okay, so, well, then how do you think, how do you think we overcome shame? Well, I, I think first and foremost, God's got to just reach down and, and shake it out of us. And I think He's very, very interested in doing that. So that's a personal journey for every person. And the way He will do that is different. But I do know this. Part of our job is to ask for His help. Mm. Um, so that's one. But But number two— Something very directly I think our Christian communities need to think differently about is discussions about shame. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I also think we need to be more, way more open about shame and just how how much variety there is in shame. Right. Because I think a lot of times when the church will bring up shame or we talk about it, we, we're we very specific. Like, well, a lot of people feel this shame. But then there's somebody out there who's like, well, I feel shame for this. Right. And then they feel like, is that allowed? <laughs> right. I mean, so often we put it into, oh, sexual categories yes. or addiction or, you know— the big The, the big, big sins, you know, <laughs> the big ones. But— Oh, man, it's sometimes those aren't as disabling as things. Oh, maybe about our body image, uh, shame, uh, and we're not showing up because we don't feel confident in our bodies. We're not showing up because, you know, I don't know. There's, there's. I like how you're saying we're not showing up. It's like, because shame, that's what it does. Mm -hmm. It cripples us until we just don't show up anymore. We just sit. Right, exactly. And like, mm-hmm. I think that is the worst, you know, disease of shame is sitting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, you're right. Because then we just— Because you don't feel worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy to show right. up. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the devil doesn't have to do any work there. <laughs> right. He's like, my job here is done. Because then <laughs> shame just totally takes over and you're done. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's, it becomes a total mess. But it's interesting thinking about all the different ways people can feel shame because I was listening to Jamie Ivey's podcast. It's called The Happy Hour. And she was talking with Kat Armstrong. And she said one of the things that she felt shame about at one point in her life was she went to seminary and she felt like she was going to learn too much about Jesus and that she wasn't allowed to do that because she was a woman. And she was talking about how much shame she felt over that. And I remember listening to it and thinking like, wow, I never would have even, like from my upbringing and my background, that would never have even occurred to me that someone would feel ashamed over that. But it just makes me realize there is such variety in shame Mm -hmm. amongst Christians. And so, and none of it is wrong. That's the thing. Yes, (laughs) so true. Like your feelings can't be wrong. Right. They just are what they are. Right. So. Because the outcome's the same over and over again. Yes, yeah, the right. outcome is sitting. hiding, sitting, <laughs> you know, embarrassment or whatever. It's it's not showing up. And so, yeah, the sources are very different. Yeah, there's a million different ways you can feel shame, but they all end at the same path, and that's just sitting and stopping mm-hmm. and stopping doing with the things that God has called you to do because mm-hmm. you're just totally crippled by it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring up at least one biblical example of shame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Since we're just going to blab on about it forever yes. here. But, so this one was really interesting to me. I won't read the whole story, but it's in, um, there's an account of it in Mark and an account of it in Luke. But it's the, a lot of people refer to it as the hemorrhaging woman or mm-hmm. the woman who had bleeding for 12 years. So we know the story, but to give you a quick recap, she has been experiencing this. She's in a crowd where Jesus is, and she says if she could just touch the hem of his cloak, then she knows she'll be healed. She does, and she is. But I do want to read this short little excerpt from Luke 8, where Jesus says, Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because obviously this woman feels a great amount of shame for this disease that she's had. It's not exactly something that in that time would have been publicized or, Mm -hmm. you know, well accepted. So, but she just is trying to get close to Jesus. And, but when she does, he doesn't just like let her get away with it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't just like heal her and move on and let it, let it be a thing. He, he really literally forces her to come out into this crowd of people and explain what happened. And so I just thought that was so interesting that he, ha- he basically has her tell everyone in the crowd why she was healed. And he really makes her tell her story mm-hmm. in front of everybody. Yeah. Which is not something she would have been comfortable with and was definitely not her plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when she does that, when she tells her story of shame, he says, your faith has healed you. Mm. But it's not until she does that that he says that to her. <laughs> I love it. I think that um, there's something so scary about our shame. But in what we're maybe embarrassed by in our past history, you know, 
Mm. But there is something so incredible when grace bubbles forth, when healing bubbles forth, and you don't even care anymore. Like, I used to feel fear, like, oh gosh, what if people found out some of the things I've done? I'd be so ashamed. And it's like, I had to get to this place and I just put it before God. I'm like, okay, here's all my shame. Here's all my junk. What do you want to do with it? And to really just release it to Him, for me, something amazing. He's like, this isn't going to own you anymore. You're going to own it. And you will tell people how you were owning this, you mm-hmm. know? This shame that you think is so overwhelming, no, the grace is greater. Yeah. My healing is greater, so go yell about that. <laughs> it's like, you're really making me realize something new when you're saying that, and it's that, like, when we feel shame, it's like we think we get to decide what can be usable by God. Oh, wow. It's like, we're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like we're saying, well, this isn't usable material. <laughs> So <laughs> we're going to put that on the cutting room floor. Yeah, like, this is not going to be usable material because it's a little bit embarrassing. But it, it it's almost like that story of the hemorrhaging woman is Jesus's way of saying, like, yeah, watch, everything is usable with me. Yeah. Like, everything is usable to, and not just for, like, specific audiences either, because I think that's something we do as Christians too, is we like to say, well, this this story would be good for this audience. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I can talk about this, but I really only want to talk about this in front of these types of people because I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. Mm-hmm. We say that all the time. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not what Jesus did. Yeah. He had this woman take something that was a very taboo and very not supposed to be talked about. And he had her tell it in front of a crowd. Yeah, And it's not like he sourced that crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do we think? <laughs> So that's really interesting. Yeah. But it does seem like what you're saying is kind of our answer to this whole question of how do you overcome shame? And it's, you know, you don't. Mm. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. you know, but the willingness to like step out with your shame is what Mm -hmm. will get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like once you, once it's all out there. Oh, man. It's all out there. It's the most freeing thing you can ever do in a way. It's like it's, there's such freedom in it because then you are free to love loud, including loving yourself loud, which yeah. is something which is one of the biggest targets of shame is to get you to think mm. you are no good. Yes. And that may be the hardest one is yeah. loving yourself loud. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think so. We are not good at that. But it's like, you know, if we can take those sources of shame in our lives and say, and and not that we have to give permission to God to do anything, but if we can take those sources of mm-hmm. deep shame and say, here, God, use this. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a, what a great way to say, shame, you don't have a hold on me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm giving it up and we're going to use it. Yeah. I love that song, um, Fear You Don't Own Me. But it, I kind of oh, yeah. replaced the words. Who sings that? Uh, Francesca. Francesca Battistelli. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's right. I, I love I, that song, but I also think it's like, shame, you don't own me. Yeah. And and when we tell God He can use those parts of our lives, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, then it doesn't mm-hmm. own you anymore because you just, you get to a point where you just don't care. Yeah. You're like, use it. Use it for anyone. I'll shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. This it, is my story of shame. Here you yeah. go. And guess what? It's really not who I am anyways. Right. 
Shame is like the monster under the bed. It's yeah. like we think it's a big, bad monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until you, like, get under there, and it's just like a dirty sock from last week. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> okay, so anything else about shame before we just totally move on? I think let's talk about it, girls. Let's be real about it. And yeah. let's hold each other's hands in in going to a new new place with this topic. Yeah, we if we're going to relinquish shame in our lives, then let's not be surprised when other people do to us as well. That's super yes. huge because like that's another thing is we might finally get okay with our own shame, but then we're still going to be a little ooh, but did you hear about <laughs> no. Did you hear about so <laughs> It's horrible because yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I've released my shame, but girl Mm, yeah, you know, where the judgment <laughs> is a pouring out. Exactly. So it's like, oh, we can't be surprised by other people either. Like, their shame's valid too. <laughs> yes. And judging that shame and is, I mean, seriously, who are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who do we think we are? <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I think, I can't remember who I heard say this, but I thought it was so funny. But, you know, the biblical example is you have to look at the log in your own eye. Mm-hmm. Someone was talking to women, and they said, you know, you got to look at your own chipped toenails first. <laughs> I was like, yes, because, boy, do I got some chipped toenails. <laughs> it's So, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But, but it was. But anyway, the point is, yeah, if we're going to relinquish our own shame, let's give other people permission to do it, too. Yeah, give them space. And encouragement and support. Yeah. And then and then just you don't have to fix it for people, you yeah. know? Let just let them let them share in that shame with you. And you know, I think sometimes that's the best way to let it go is just to be like, hey, I've been there too. Yes. And I'm there right now. Yes. <laughs> but when we hide it, it creates this false sense of perfection yeah. across Christianity. Yeah. And that is to me, the more I look at it and the more yeah. I see it, it's dangerous. It's not it's not real. It's a facade. Right. And Well, and like, it's like what we were saying at the beginning of this conversation, where shame is just this web where, but when it, when it takes over, you don't even know where you end and it begins anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we're creating these, we're just creating these facades of perfection with just this nasty web of shame mm-hmm. right under the surface. And if we think for a second, people don't notice that, yeah. We're kidding ourselves. Like, yeah. the very people that hate church and hate Christians and hate what we're all about, they're, they're not fooled by that. Right. They see the gross. Yeah. And they're like, why would I want that? Yeah. But if if we if we bring that to the surface and mm-hmm. we say, look, we, you know, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the most poignant things about that is this is who we are. And God doesn't use us in spite of it, he uses us because of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's what's attractive to people. Yeah. Knowing that that's, that's what's possible when you walk with Christ. Right. Like, what a gift. Mm-hmm. And also, what a, honestly, what a fun life. Yeah. There's nothing boring about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing stuffy or, I don't think stuffy is a word. There's nothing stuffy about that. Yes. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking like for. It. Okay, so fun part. Okay. Moving on. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I have stolen this from Jamie Ivey's podcast, The Happy Hour. So kudos to her for giving me this idea. But what are three things you are loving right now? Mm. They could be physical things or not physical things. It doesn't really matter. Okay. 
Well, my maybe superficial thing I'm loving right now is Stitch Fix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love, uh, this was a present from my husband, Kirk. Um, and it has, it's the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I can't stop. <laughs> but I really love Stitch Fix. Right. So that's one. And if for people who are listening, if you don't know what Stitch Fix is, it's like, uh, it's a subscription box, basically. Right. But they curate clothes for you, and you actually have a stylist who you kind of fill out a questionnaire, and they ask you what you need, what you don't need, what you like, what you don't like. Yes. And then they send you clothes, and you, of course, buy them because they're amazing. Yes, and they just have that way about them. And I don't, I'm not a big you know, fashionista, so I really find it helpful. Um, it's made me expand my wardrobe. And I've seen some of your stitch fixes, and they do a great job of, like, remembering what they've given you in the past, mm -hmm. and then they give you things that, like, match it. And build on it, yes. Yeah, so it's they great. really create a wardrobe for you over time, which is, yes. and it all looks good, just mm -hmm. to tell you, you look good. Well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> okay, what else? Okay, um, number two, I am loving... Um, I have to give a little quick context for this. I'm loving friendships right now. I, I just feel like I'm in the season of friendship. Mm. And um, honest to be just transparent about my <laughs> stuff, I had a hard time developing friendships when I was younger. I think I trust and other stuff was going on. Um, and so this has just been a season of my life where I love my friends and I love meeting new people and developing friendships with them. So... Mm. Friends, girlfriends. That's a good answer. Yay. I love that answer. It's also kind of a church answer, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let you have it. That was a Sunday school answer, as people would say. <laughs> well, you know, like, it's, it's like you can't well, you can't go uh, wrong with saying, like, I just love my friendships, you know. But I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. If you knew it. what a bad friend I had been in the past, you would understand. <laughs> no, no. I appreciate it. I think it was a good answer. You got one more. Okay, one more. Um, I have loved doing Whole30. Oh, really? Yes. I'm shocked. <laughs> okay, tell I us. I have. Well, I've been doing Whole30, and it's really helped me to kind of listen to my body in ways I hadn't in the past. Realized I'm allergic to some stuff. I had no idea. But that's good. Uh, and I'm just feeling better, and I like feeling good. So it's been great. Uh, I think that... I wouldn't say I think everyone should do a Whole30, mm -hmm. but I do think everyone should at least research it. So, yeah. you know, if you don't know anything about Whole30 or what the premise of it is, you should look it up because yeah, I do think it's a really interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, I, I needed to lose some weight. Um, that certainly has is something I wanted to do, but really that the bigger issue for me is finding out, you know, things that were causing problems in my diet that I just didn't even realize. Sure, yeah. I would agree with that. Okay, one last thing. Okay. And then we're going to wrap up. <laughs> All right. So how are you growing? Um, okay, I'm going to give you my Sunday school answer. I'm ready. <laughs> so true. I am growing in love. And while I'm kind of giving a Sunday school answer on this, but I'm really growing in the area of love. And it is just, Wow. Um, realizing the, the love that God has for me, um, realizing the love I should have for myself and that that foundation then allows me to like pour love onto others. So 
really, that's how I'm going right now. And it's a very exciting journey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. It was a great talk about shame as good as any talk about shame can be. And thank you to all of you who are joining us here today to listen. I hope you were inspired by this talk. I hope you learned something. Um, And I hope it's something that you can take into your daily lives. I just loved when we were discussing there at the end about giving other people space to relinquish their shame. And I love what Jen was saying about giving people room to feel those feelings and for us not to be shocked about what people have to say. I just think as sisters in Christ, it's so important for all of us to give each other room to go on our own spiritual journeys and not to put them on our 10-step plan to success or our 10-step plan to recovery, but to let people have their walk of faith and have it authentically and be brave enough to sit there with them and experience it and love them through it, no matter what it looks like. If you want to hear more from Jennifer Walden, you can check out her blog, Jen's Closet, at jen.firstfaith.com. I'm going to put all that information in the show notes so that you guys can see what she's got going on. Um, If she's going to be traveling or speaking soon, that information will all be on her website. And obviously, you can read more on her blog, which is fantastic. And if you want more on shame and you want to read some more, you can also find that at jen.firstfaith.com. She's written some great pieces about shame and has really expanded on her personal experience with shame through the years. So it's a great resource for you to check out if you just want to hear more of her story and be more inspired by the amazing person that she is. Our goal at Where Faith Grows is always to help all of us explore new areas of our lives where faith can grow, and I really hope that we accomplished that today in this discussion on shame. I know that I'm working on finding areas of my life where shame still has a hold on me and rooting those out and just living in the freedom that we have in Christ. So I hope you found something today, too, that inspired you on your journey of faith. For the show today, music was developed by Nick Petrov. Show notes and editing were done by yours truly. Thanks again for joining me, everyone. If you love Where Faith Grows, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a thumbs up. I sure am glad to have you join me here in this space where we all can explore our faith and all the places it grows together. Have a wonderful week, friends, and I'll see you back here next week.